from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. Are you thinking twice about what you're eating now that you're eating for two? Of course you are. No pressure or anything, but your body has about 266 days start to finish, to help transform a single cell into a ready-to-snuggle baby, your baby. Thanks to Mother Nature's oh-so-awesome autopilot, your body's already got your baby's back, and those 10 perfect fingers and toes, and that fast-developing brain, and those precious peepers and button nose. Still, how's this for an assist? You get to contribute to your baby's amazing transformation at least three times a day, five or more if you add in snacks, just by eating healthy foods. Sounds like a heavy lift? Not really. Eating well when you're expecting isn't that different from eating well any other time in your life. But what if you're too green to look at a salad? Never mind eat one or feeling the burn by your second bite of anything, or you're a vegan, or you've hated milk since you were a little kid, how will you ever score all the baby-friendly nutrients that you'll need? Not to worry. We know you have a lot on your plate. So today, we're going to serve up 
everything you need to know about eating well when you're expecting, no matter how you like to eat and no matter what is eating you. Hungry for more? Let's get started. I'm here with Emma. Hey, Mom. Hi, I'm hungry. How about you? (laughs) I'm hungry for more, yes. So you are a notoriously picky eater, but little known fact, you are actually pickier as an adult than you were as a little kid. For instance, you used to eat fish, you used to eat shrimp. Really, you used to eat a lot more foods than you eat now. So I'm basically like the opposite of how it's supposed to be, right? Normally, kids are picky, and then as adults, they have this like amazing palate. That's not how it works with me. Yeah. My poor husband. It's like he's got three children he has to feed. (laughs) It's so true. But Sebi's a better eater than you are. That he is. (laughs) So how did that picky eating style affect your eating while you were pregnant? I think for me, I was hoping that maybe my taste would change when I was pregnant. They just didn't. I just got more aversions. Yeah, it was a little bit rough because there are certain things that you should be eating. You can't just snack on muffins all day, which I would have done if I could. I didn't want beef with the first one. The second one, I didn't want chicken and I needed to get protein. So I ended up, you you showed me these pastas that were made of chickpeas. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got protein a lot for a lot of my second pregnancy. And they really saved me. See, I come in handy once in a while. You really do. Thank you, mom. Sebi thanks you too for his brain growth because of the chickpea pasta. So you had a really hard time with your prenatal vitamins. I I remember especially with Lennox. Yeah, with Lennox, I actually used um, pre-mama, which you put in a shake. But with Sebi, I couldn't stomach it. So my doctor prescribed me prenate pixie, which I would take at night. And that was really helpful. The pixie one is less aggravating to your stomach and nausea. It was, it was good. I liked it. Plus it's a super cute name. It's so cute. It's called the pixie and it's tiny. It's not like a horse pill. It had to like gag down. So yeah, it really worked for me. Most moms have some problem at some point with their prenatal, especially if it's a horse pill. So for sure, check with your doctor and see if there's a better alternative. You know, there are a lot, there are a lot of over the counter ones. There are a lot that you can get by prescription. There are powders, there are gummies also, but you want to make sure that you clear whatever you're taking with your doctor or your midwife, because not all supplements are created equal. And there are some nutrients that are super, super important to get. And of course, folate, but there are others as well. And not every formula will include everything on that list. So check it out. If you're having a lot of trouble with nausea, then a supplement that contains some ginger might help. Also B6. Yes. And the other thing is you should always take your prenatal at night. Lesson learned. (laughs) (laughs) If you take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, oh man, that is not going to end well. I thought I was going to die when I did that. I was like, this is, I've never felt like this in my entire life. This is a nightmare. So at least if you take it, you know, with dinner, then you have a lot more food to help ease your 
your stomach troubles. I think it was the iron that really set me off. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, for sure, with iron, it can be constipating. It can generate nausea. And there are prenatals that come without iron. You can take iron separately if you end up needing it. So that's another discussion to have with your doctor. There are slow-release iron supplements that are a lot easier to handle for your tummy. That's what I actually take on a regular basis, Lofi. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. Now, you have so many followers on Instagram, more than me, <laughs> I should point out. So what do you hear from other moms about their diet concerns while they're expecting? I think, honestly, you know, in this day and age, people are just out there living their best life. I think it's more like indulge now, and that's pretty much how they're going to do it. Some moms I hear like, you know, they're super like regulated with what they're eating and then they work out constantly. There's just so many different moms out there. But the thing that people really share on social is like the fun aspects. Like, look at me eating this brownie sundae. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Yay. So that's the that's more what I see. But you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Yes. You can only imagine if the brownie sundae is in public, what's going on behind the closed doors. Right? I mean, I probably behind at, at home, they're probably eating salads. But no one's going to post that because that's not like a pregnancy adventure. Eating a cake for lunch or breakfast is more of like a pregnancy taboo kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know how many diet trends. There have always been diet trends, even when I was pregnant. But everything that's old is new again. So back when I was pregnant, a lot of people were on the Atkins diet, right? And now the keto diet, both are low carb. Neither one is really pregnancy appropriate. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm answering your biggest questions about eating well when you're expecting. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Okay, mom, how do you eat well when you always feel like you're going to throw up? Or you are always throwing up. You know, it isn't easy feeling green, but of course, it's super common when you're pregnant, especially in the first trimester. Emma, I know you were a little green. Yes. I was one of the lucky ones. I of course just had, you were. <laughs> I just said a few passing kind of queasy moments, and I had some really serious food aversions, like to chicken, but at least 75% of moms experience so-called morning sickness. And there is no textbook definition since some moms, they just feel nauseous. The nausea won't quit. Others throw up once in a while. Others throw up all the time. And the most extreme kind of, of morning sickness isn't really morning sickness at all. It's a complication called hyperemesis. And in that case, you can't keep anything down at all. Some moms don't throw up, but they wish they could just so they could ease that queasy feeling. Yes. Yeah. Sound, sound familiar, Emma? Yes. <laughs> the only thing that's for sure is that the joker who named it morning sickness clearly never had morning sickness because- Obviously a man. I'm going I'm to go with man. I could be mm-hmm. totally wrong. That could be a sexist thing to say, but sorry. Yeah. I'll take one for the team. I'll be the sexist <laughs> one. It's it hardly ever, ever, ever is limited to the morning. It's usually 24-7 sickness and it's no joke. And it makes eating anything, you know, never mind eating anything healthy, really, really challenging. But here's the good news. The first trimester when most moms suffer the worst of morning sickness, which actually medical experts call it NVP or nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. But the first trimester is not a time of high demand in terms of nutrients. That's when your baby is literally the size of a baby bean and, you know, even a teeny little lentil. And what you eat doesn't matter as much as it's going to matter later on. Staying hydrated and eating foods that make you feel better, that's what it's all about. And I mean, whatever gets you through the day and gets you through the night, that's okay. Even if it's the same food over and over and over again, yeah, you hear about variety is is such a nutritious way to eat. I don't care about variety if you're feeling sick. If it's the same food over and over again, that is fine. And hopefully it's something that has some nutrients attached. Like a lot of moms crave melon or oranges or even, you know, dry cold cereal. Yep. But whatever it is, as long as it's safe to eat, go for it. If all you can swallow is saltines, consider, you know, trying to find some whole grain saltines, but don't push your luck if you're on survival mode. You can definitely make up for the nutrients later and the calories too. In the green meantime, don't even think about serving yourself broccoli or kale unless that's what you're craving. Unlikely, but it could happen. Every mom's different. Now, I have a couple of tricks to try. My favorite is become the smoothie queen. Pack your freezer with frozen banana, frozen mango, berries, peaches. You can blend it all up with almond milk or with yogurt, or with regular milk, whatever you can best handle. And bingo, you've got a meal that you can sip instead of having to eat if eating is hard for you. And the icier cold, the better, since in general, cold foods are easier to handle when you're queasy because they don't have any smell. And smell is something that's 
super offensive to uh, queasy pregnant moms. Now, I mean, you did a lot of smoothies, right? A lot of smoothies. Yeah. A lot of smoothies. It's a great way to pack in nutrients without making yourself sick. And foods like mango are an excellent substitute for green foods like kale because it's got the vitamin A, it's got the vitamin C, so you're, you're ready to rock and roll. Ginger. I don't think you're a fan, Emma, but ginger can be super soothing and so can anything sour. So a lot of moms like to suck on lemons or limes or grapefruit. So you know what they say, when life gives you morning sickness, make lemonade, right? See, for me, sour made me gaggy. I don't know. Maybe I was like- Everybody's different. Everyone's different. Everybody's different. And probably the best way to eat anyway when you're expecting is definitely the best way to eat when you're in the throes of throwing up and having nausea. And that's the six meal solution, AKA grazing. Instead of trying to force down three squares a day, which you're never going to get down, never mind keep down, just graze on five or six mini meals or snacks. The idea is to keep your tummy just a little bit filled all the time because when it's running on empty, your gastric juices that your stomach is producing have nothing to feast on but you and your stomach lining can make you feel sicker. So eat early before you get out of bed in the morning. Have some snacks by your bedside so you can have a nibble before you get up. Eat often, you know, throughout the day and late also. So have a a bedtime snack that will hopefully contain some complex carbs and protein. And that's a combination that can minimize morning sickness. If you can do a little cheese with your crackers, awesome. If you can add a little almond butter to your banana smoothie, fabulous. Keep snacks with you wherever you go, in the car, at your desk, in your bag. Nothing that's going to stink, of course. Nothing that's going to make us stink. A couple of my favorites are freeze-dried fruit and freeze-dried cheese. One brand is Moon Cheese. It definitely, there are other brands out there. That is not going to spoil in a hot car and it's not going to stink up your office. Like for instance, a ripe banana that you leave in your desk drawer, that would, that would make it stink. I wouldn't recommend that. I used to love just sucking on packets of nut butter, peanut butter. Oh yeah. Nuts, nuts. So that was really helpful. Cause anytime like you, you stay full throughout the whole day and you're going to feel a little better. I think whenever that any sort of like hunger creeps in, it's going to turn to nausea central. Exactly. And you know, in, in the short term, fluids are way more important than solids in the first trimester. So don't push foods that you can't stand, but do push the fluids. Water, coconut water can be especially soothing, almond milk, fruit that has a high water content like say watermelon, that's 95% water and icy cold. It's definitely a pregnant crowd pleaser. Okay. So what about heartburn? That's not fun. Mm, I know. I was queen of heartburn with both pregnancies. And ironically, I had one bald baby and one hairy baby. So that's an old wives tale. First of all, nobody does heartburn like a pregnant woman. I mean, I, once again, I escaped it. Don't be a hater, Emma. Don't be a hater. Of course you did, you unicorn. But it's actually true what they say about heartburn and hair. I mean, it's not a sure thing, but research has shown a connection between moms who have heartburn and babies born with a lot of hair. It doesn't always go that way. 
Lennox was bald till he was one, and then Sebi was born with like a toupee of hair. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I did have two cue balls, and I did not have heartburn. So you can thank your hormones for heartburn, of course. The same hormones that relax other muscles in your body also relax those in your digestive tract, including the the esophageal sphincter, which typically keeps food and gastric juices in your stomach where they belong. And when it's relaxed, all that yucky stuff backs up and you feel the burn and you taste that acidy reflux. Yum! Ooh, I can taste it right now, just thinking about it. You know what your triggers are. Emma, you know what they are. Yes, I do. Don't pull them. Like spicy foods or greasy foods. Uh, clearly nothing that combines spicy and greasy, like pepperoni pizza. That would be bad. Of course, if you crave it, have it. You'll just pay later. Eating sitting straight up at the table rather than slouched over on the sofa and staying as upright as your pregnant body is going to allow you to after you eat is going to help a lot because obviously if you're slouched over, everything backs up more easily. And eating slowly, not gobbling up your food, even if you're super hungry and nothing heavy before bed when you're definitely going to feel the burn the most and propping yourself up in bed is going to help with that too. And it should go without saying by now, but I will say it, the six meal solution because gut bombs are going to give you heartburn ammunition for sure. My best heartburn trick is ice cold almond milk. You just sip a little after a meal and before bed. Moms, I know, swear by vanilla almond milk. So give it a try, especially icy cold. And beyond that, there's always the Tums and Rolades that you pop like candy, Emma. Did you do yeah. that? Of course. I, I pop Tums like candy. Yes. And of course, those are constant. Constipating. Yes, yes. And I was queen of pregnancy constipation. You're the and queen of a lot of things. I really am. Where's my crown? <laughs> um, and speaking of constipation, what should pregnant moms eat when they are constipated? So constipation definitely comes with the pregnant territory. Mother nature actually has the best intentions always. Sure, she does. (laughs) She's got the best intentions when she slows down your digestive tract. So slowing food down allows your body to absorb more nutrients. And that's a plus for baby, but it happens to be a minus for you because when things are slowed down, you end up constipated and bloated and miserable and gassy. First of all, what you shouldn't eat, which is anything that can clog you up, white bread, white rice, anything sugary, processed foods in general. What you should eat, you probably know this, but whole grains, fresh fruits and veggies, nuts and seeds, you know, those fiber-filled foods. Kiwi are a lot cuter than prunes, and many people are surprised to find out they're as effective as any dried fruit in keeping things moving. So those cute little kiwis, crack one open. And beans. If you can handle the gas, then pass the beans. And and then, of course, wash it all down with lots of fluids because it's the fluids that keep all those high-fiber foods moving along. And what about fatigue, uh, mood swings, and headaches? I had all of those. All of the above. (laughs) I'm going to make it super easy here. 
with the one solution that covers all those symptoms and more. You guess it. It's the six-meal solution, which you're hopefully already doing if you're a queasy mama or if you're having heartburn because it's going to help with that. But eating small amounts of protein and complex carbs all day will keep your blood sugar on an even keel, and that will give you more energy, fewer headaches, and might even help moderate those mood swings. And that bedtime snack will help you sleep better and help avoid that pregnancy insomnia. On the flip side, though, a king-size candy bar or caramel macchiato would seem the logical solution to fatigue and headaches, plus what could make you happier, those quick sugar fixes can actually send your blood sugar soaring. And then after the soar comes the crash. And that can bring your energy and your mood down along with it, with the potential for a headache too. And of course, if you quit caffeine cold turkey, you will get headaches. So remember the mom mantra of moderation. Two cups a day is fine. And if you cut back, definitely cut back gradually. Yeah, I learned a valuable lesson there when I cut out coffee and my headaches came with running in. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the good news. You don't have to cut it out. You just have to cut down if you have a big habit. Two cups a day is good. Well, I had a huge habit and then I got pregnant with Sebastian and all of a sudden I wanted nothing to do with coffee. It was a really, it was a, it was a really hard time for me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And now the question that every mom has, everybody says you're eating for two. So does that mean you take everything you normally eat and just double it? (laughs) If only. Well, you are eating for two, but one of the two of you is teeny, teeny, tiny, So yeah, fortunately for you, if you're feeling too sick to eat a lot, and unfortunately, if pregnancy has made you twice as hungry, you're not literally eating for two of you. And that means you don't have to double up what you normally eat, not even close. In the first trimester, you really don't need more than 100 calories per day on top of what you normally eat. And you can actually get away with fewer if you have to, because you're very sick and you can't eat even if you're hungry. So for perspective, 100 calories is about one of those tiny snack bags of almonds or maybe a cup of yogurt. So it's not that much. Not exactly the all-access pass to Ben and Jerry's you might have been hoping for, though no one's going to stand between you and a scoop of Chunky Monkey, least of all me. By the second trimester and into the third, you're going to need more calories, but really, really only about 300 calories or more extra per day above what you normally eat. Where you spend those extra calories, of course, is your business, and I'm certainly not going to micromanage them, but if you can, it's smart to cash in on nutrients in whatever form that you find them palatable, especially as baby grows. That's a really super smart strategy. We'll get to weight gain in another episode, but just keep in mind that gaining too much weight when you're pregnant or eating a lot of unhealthy foods can increase your risks of say, gestational diabetes and other complications. You can't always prevent those risks no matter how well you eat. But certainly if you end up with gestational diabetes, micromanaging what you eat is going to become a reality. So there's something there's something in that grilled chicken salad for you too. And if you're expecting twins, you'll need to double up on the extra calories. So you're going to go as high as 600 extra calories per day, 300 per baby above what you normally eat. And you'll probably double up also on the heartburn and I 
and indigestion for sure. So definitely eat those extra calories in small amounts, especially as your growing uterus crowds out your digestive tract, which is going to happen even with one baby, but definitely twice as fast with two. Double the fun. Yes. What about when your favorite food group is sugar? Hey, look, I get it. I get it. This isn't about deprivation and eating well should never be about deprivation, but especially not when you're doing the heavy lifting of pregnancy because that's just not fair. Sugar calories are essentially empty calories. That's just a reality. So to keep your weight gain within the guidelines that your doctor or midwife gives you while getting the nutrients that a healthy pregnancy needs, it is a smart strategy to limit the sugar calories that you eat. But that's if you can limit them. And if limiting sugar is is an option for you and you know yourself, for some moms, it's just, it's really hard to curb the sweet tooth once it's chomping on a single brownie and suddenly the whole tray makes all gone. And if you can stop at a mini Snickers, that's no big deal, or even two mini Snickers. But if one or two leads to the whole bag, over time, that could become a big deal. So you know your limits and whether you can tempt temptation on a regular basis. By the way, here's some actual good news, and that's the dark chocolate is a very healthy pregnancy food. The darker, the better, because it contains more nutrients, but it also because it's lower in sugar. It might even keep your blood pressure in check and definitely boosts your mood. Like who can't be happy when you got dark chocolate around, right? Some research, in fact, suggests that babies of moms who eat dark chocolate in the third trimester end up crying less and sleeping better. Happy mom, happy baby. Here's your excuse to eat some dark chocolate when you're pregnant. I actually still eat it. That's my habit that I kept from pregnancy. I still eat my dark chocolate. That's a good habit to be in. Yeah, not bad. When we come back, it's time for Help Me Heidi. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you... Here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. 
you know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma? Like I call my grandmother. So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And now it's time for Help Me Heidi, where I'll answer your pressing pregnancy and parenting questions. No holds barred, no filter allowed. TMI, no such thing. We're all moms here or dads. Chances are, if you have this question, other parents have it too. You are not alone. Motherhood is the ultimate sisterhood, and we're here to help a sister out. Emma, who needs help today? So this comes from a listener who says, so over the years, I've tried a lot of different diets to keep my weight under control. Lately, I've dabbled in raw and paleo and have also gone vegan. Now that I'm pregnant, I'm wondering if I should stay on something lower carb, higher protein. I don't want to end up gaining too much weight, but I do want to eat well for my baby. So it doesn't get a lot of buzz, but really the best way to eat at any time in your life, especially when you're expecting, is the balance way. Maybe it's boring, something your mother might tell you to eat if your mother were me but optimally suited for supplying all the nutrients that you and your baby need. So you probably know the drill. Whole grains, fresh fruits and veggies, low-fat dairy, lean protein, healthy fats. But let's drill down on the different kinds of diets that you've dabbled in and are wondering about. So low-carb encompasses a lot of diet trends with different degrees of carb deprivation. None of them are super healthy for pregnancies since carbs aren't the enemy. They're actually awesome sources of vitamins and mineral and fiber that pregnant moms need. That is if you choose the right kind of carb, the complex kind of carb. You can easily skip refined carbs, all that white stuff, and eat well, better still, in fact. So don't be carb-phobic, just be carb-selective. Now, gluten-free, if you have celiac disease, is a must, and it's important if you have a sensitivity to gluten. But think twice, once for you and once for your baby, if you're thinking of giving up gluten because you just think it's healthier, because it's not. Without whole grains, it's hard to get the nutrients you'll need to eat well. Keto takes low-carb to a new low. And it actually eliminates nearly all carbs, including fruits, whole grains, and some vegetables, which are all mom and baby-friendly foods that do your pregnant body good. Without the carbs, what happens is your body runs out of its preferred 
energy source and then starts burning fat. And that's a state called ketosis, thus keto. That might be your objective at other times in your life, but not when you're pregnant and weight loss isn't wise. Another downside to ketosis is that ketones are produced when your body burns fat and those ketones can be passed into the placenta. And there's not a lot of research, but there's some to show that it's not a good thing when that happens. So I probably say curb your keto enthusiasm for now. Now, paleo goes back to our cave mom roots when meat ruled and foraging was limited to whatever grew on bushes and trees. There are some paleo pluses, like avoiding refined grains, which the diet specifies that you do, cutting out sugar and processed foods. But before you go all hunter-gatherer during pregnancy, there's some potential risks too. For one thing, a super high-protein diet isn't recommended when you're expecting. You should actually take a Goldilocks approach to protein. Not too much, not too little. About three servings per day is just right, and a serving being like a, a quarter pound burger or four ounces of chicken. Now, paleo eaters can also come up short in nutrients that are found in grains and in fiber. A modified paleo diet, which allows for some whole grains and beans, but keeps meat eating moderate, is a good compromise. And another positive takeaway from paleo that you can feel free to take into pregnancy, eat more nuts and seeds. Those are sources of healthy fats. Now, on to raw diets. Raw veggies and fresh fruits are definitely pregnancy-friendly foods, but going all raw all the time is could be a raw deal when you're expecting. Some vitamins and minerals are only absorbed when they're cooked. Plus, raw foods can be sometimes contaminated with bacteria that would otherwise be killed during cooking or during pasteurization. Some foods were made to be cooked when you're baking a baby bun. Speaking of veggies, vegetarians of all varieties can have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies, just as healthy, possibly even healthier than meat eaters, depending on the kind of meat you otherwise would eat. Veggie diets are usually high in vitamins and minerals and fiber, and if you eat eggs and dairy, you're not going to miss out on protein and calcium. Vegan takes a little more effort. You'll just need to make sure you cash in on high-protein legumes like beans and tofu and grains and talk to your doctor or midwife about taking supplements. Definitely need B12 if you're a vegan because it's only found in animal proteins. And you'll probably also need calcium and iron and vitamin D2. By the way, bean pastas like Emma enjoys, like bonza, are amazing sources of protein that are completely meat-free, and they're also super nutritious. Maybe you're lactose intolerant, or you're just not a milk fan, but you've heard that milk is a must when you're building baby bones. Not so. Calcium comes in all kinds of packages, from yogurt to cheese. And red meat, a lot of moms think it's a must-eat. It isn't. It does have more iron, but any source of protein is a good source when you're expecting from chicken to turkey, shrimp to fish. So you can definitely be a pescatarian if you wish to. Just don't go fish for swordfish, shark, or any other fish that's high in mercury. And you know all about the don't eat the sushi. Eggs. 
Eggs are a great source of protein. You can choose omega-3 eggs if you can because they're a great source of healthy fats. The same goes for grass-fed beef and pasture-raised chicken if you can find them and afford them because unlike grain-fed, they are packed with omega-3 fatty acids. While we're on the subject of fat and fatty acids, a very low-fat diet isn't pregnancy-appropriate either, not only because a low-fat diet is often used to lose weight and you're not supposed to lose weight when you're pregnant, but because they're called essential fatty acids for a reason, they're essential. Your body needs some fat to build a baby and to build up supplies for breastfeeding, you're going to need to lay down some fat. And plus, a little fat makes nutrients and vegetables more absorbable. So for instance, if you choose a fat-free dressing, that means a less nutritious salad. So a little fat in your salad dressing is actually a good thing. So, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg, or I guess I should say the iceberg lettuce. And for the record, you should probably opt for romaine or arugula in your salad anyway, because iceberg doesn't come with as many nutrients, or at least you you can toss some shredded carrot and cabbage into your iceberg. But clearly, just the tip of the iceberg, there's so much to talk about when it comes to eating when you're expecting. Actually, there's enough to fill a book. And it's a good thing that I just wrote one and it's out now. Eating well when you're expecting everything you need to know about eating well, no matter what you like to eat and no matter what is eating you. And plus it has about, I think, 175 recipes and they're all easy, quick to prepare because really, who wants to stand on swollen dogs to make dinner for you and your puppy? Right, Emma? I mean, I don't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Even when I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Done and done. for listening. Remember, I'm always here for you. What to expect is always here for you. We're all in this together. For more on what you heard on today's episode, visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast. You can also check out what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and the what to expect app. And we want to hear from you. Connect with us on our community message board or on our social media. You can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE. And of course, at what to expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.